And so it begins. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man. Hello everyone and welcome to Watching the Right Movies with the Koski Brothers. This is the podcast for people that are looking to branch out their movie tastes and not get a lecture in film criticism and just be able to enjoy the new movies. I'm Ben, this is my brother Nick. Hey Benny, is that a is that a little crack at film critics? What does lecture mean? I mean you can enjoy it and also get a lecture. I love lectures. Particularly giving I them. I don't think most people I don't think most people would be lectured on why they should appreciate some black and white movie. I think they'd rather listen to us talk about it than have some guy in a fedora tell them why they should appreciate it. Who is this? I feel like you have someone specifically in mind. Who who <laughs> hurt you in your childhood in a fedora? I don't know. I just imagine that a film critic wears a fedora, definitely has elbow oh, patches, sure. uh, and smokes one of those cigarettes that's on the end of like a you know a oh, long, like FDR? long stick or whatever, like... Uh, and Corella de Vil, yeah. yeah. What is that? What are those called? That's a I film critic to called. me. Okay. Well, anyway, yes. No lectures. Discussion. But I want to make I want to make it clear to the people that are listening to this that that is not no. who we are. I'm not. I don't. I don't even have one of those things. I have mini jackets yeah, with <laughs> pockets, however, with patches, though. <laughs> mm, well, then I'll try to I'll, I'll try to bring our non-lecture quotient Excellent. up a little bit. Okay. So my question for you today, yes. Nick, is in the immortal words of Paula Cole, is where have oh, all the cowboys boy. gone? Yikes! Why? Why does the Amer- Why does the American public not like westerns uh, anymore? There are many different answers to that. And I ask this as someone who doesn't really like westerns. This is not me saying how horrible it is that there aren't any westerns anymore, but it's just. Well, there, westerns used to be all the time, right? And now there's no westerns. And anytime there is a western, it's like, oh look, it a western. fails horribly. Well, it's in a in a yeah, and then it usually fails anyway. It's in a similar reason why um, uh, it's a similar reason why we don't make musicals anymore. It's a combination of economics on both sides. Uh, okay, how do you mean? They're expensive to make. Uh, musicals in particular are expensive to make. Uh, and uh, How is a Western expensive to make? You just go out to the desert. You don't even have that many people. You, you, you got to have that cabs. many people. There's no special effects. Well, okay, that's part. But um, then, uh, yeah, you got to bring all the people out there. You got to shoot on location, which is expensive. Uh, you got to find the right location, which is becoming more and more difficult because there are, you know, Modern civilization everywhere. Uh, you're asking my my so on that side it's slightly more expensive as opposed to doing it on a studio lot or somewhere else or in a city or that kind of thing. Uh, but then it's much the, there's just not an audience for it. That's the real reason. Uh, with a musical, well, yeah, so my question is why don't we like westerns anymore? We the theory, as Americans we as Americans and uh, we may. The theory is that in the 50s and 60s, the reason the Western was the box office king uh, is because we were, for a certain age, you're, the people we weren't supposed to trust, people 30 and older, uh, were looking at the pre-war years. They didn't want to be thinking about the coming changing times. Uh, it was a, let's look back, uh, what's that theory? Uh, that everything in pop culture 
looks 40 years behind was better uh so that's oh, why okay. like mad men like, came around as it has in the 60s and now the 70s are kind of what we're all about whereas in the uh I, this doesn't really fit because the westerns were yeah. 140 years ago not uh 40 years ago but the concept is that at the time uh, your eisenhower well, i would i would argue pop culture also i don't buy your 40 years the 70s came back in the 90s the 80s were back or and back now 20. But yeah i, I don't the, know well the point that you that you look back if you the point the pop culture looks back and takes stuff from the past i, I could buy that uh so you're saying it's more amazing that westerns were ever a deal in the first no. place why we don't watch no movies. i'm saying that the eisenhower and <clears throat> that generation uh enjoy you know they were looking for the founding of america uh at a time when america was in their opinion you know in the their america was falling apart in the seams they they wanted a time when men were men and women were women and you went out into the woods and you you know they wanted that wilderness that's the theory i yeah. wasn't there i don't know uh we don't make them now because there's no audience for it and there hasn't been an audience for it for 40 years uh, but it's also more expensive. And even, even in the 50s and 60s, the, the only Western that's ever won Best Picture in my, that I can think of is Unforgiven from 1992. In the 50s and 60s, right, they and were that, the, the sci-fi movie of the day. Well, I think of more as the superhero sure, movie. right. Didn't have a it lot... Is. Super super popular, but not necessarily winning not any Not critical darlings, critical in the slightest. Things. Uh, we are now maybe now that we've got our Dark Knights and our this and that and our Avengers and all that we're turning the corner uh, on superhero movies and they're getting taken a little more seriously I don't know uh, it wouldn't bother me if they didn't and they just went away but I uh, but we are you know we've been in that mode for a really long time superheroes and it would the, the western had a 15 year Rain at the top, uh, shifting right around the time uh, the the movie we're talking about today came around, which is in a certain sense an anti-western, which you got to see a lot more in the '60s, certainly the late '60s and the early '70s. Uh, in the 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 westerns of the '50s, by and large, and the '40s, uh, were were B pictures, cowboys and Indians, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Richard Brody, uh, who writes for the, the New Yorker, said the Western is the ultimate political film genre uh, because it, it has the most, uh, you know, it has the blankest canvas for that kind of discussion to put in blank terms law versus lawlessness, uh, you know, primal animal. Uh, delineations of power structure versus civilization uh, it's right there at the forefront uh, and that's you, but you don't really get a taste of that until the anti-westerns of the 60s came about most of which take place in the 1880s to the turn of the century uh, when civilization very much encroached uh, on this wilderness of the old west and that's certainly in a certain sense what today's movie uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance is all about. Yeah, I was to say, yeah, to me, and I haven't, I mean, I have, I have not seen many Westerns, so this was the first Western I'd seen in a very long time. And again, the list of Westerns I've seen, I've actually seen 
probably this Shane and the Magnificent Seven. And so Magnificent Seven, even though it was so. made deep into the 60s, is much more in line with uh, the bad westerns of the 50s. And I don't, I don't say that. I don't mean that that's bad. I just mean that it doesn't. It only wants to tell yeah. an adventure story. It doesn't have an agenda beyond that. Whereas Shane and uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance most certainly does. Uh, you know, a lot of those. Uh, if I'm, if we're, ma- we're not making a top five westerns, but if I'm, as I'm thinking of it, Shane would be in that category. The one we watched today would be uh, the Wild Bunch, which is slated for later in this season of watching the right movies. Uh, How the West was won, or Once Upon a Time in the West. All of those, even popular westerns like uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and um, Unforgiven, kind of tell that tale of the final days of the old West and what uh, this balance between civilization and ruggedness and what is lost when one wins over the other and transversely what is gained uh, when one wins over the other. And that's the central discussion, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, 1962, directed by John Ford. He's one of the all-time great directors and one of the all-time great directors of, uh, of Westerns. In, according to the Europeans, he invented the West. Uh, was very much, it's funny, uh, just been reading a lot of things about him since I've been discussing this movie, very much heralded here in America. He won four Oscars for Best Director, which, if it's not a record, is very close to. Uh, but it is a record, and maybe a record no one will ever beat, don't you think? I would think so. Uh, I, yes, very much so. Uh, but then towards the end of his, most people now would consider his last couple movies, this one, The Searchers from 1955, and others to be, his post-war movies anyway, uh, to be his best. But when he died, he was very not, it had been as if a, a whiz kid had blown, had, had uh, fizzled out. Uh, this movie, which stars John uh, Wayne, what's that? I'm, I was saying, okay, so you're saying he was like a prodigy, had these great things when he was young, but then didn't, at least was seen as not doing much effort. When he came back from the war, and he was exceptionally heralded in the war, too, he made movies uh, for the war effort and was very gung-ho about signing up and being a, a, a patriot and all that and was, in a certain sense, a hero, uh, injured while shooting the Battle of Midway for a movie called The Battle of Midway, all of which, I mean, a lot of uh, the, the war footage we have was shot by John Ford. Uh, but when he came back, he never got that critical, never gained that again. Uh, you know, never had another Best Picture, uh, never won another uh, Best P- Director Oscar, uh, and then a lot, in a lot of ways, lost his box office clout too. And so you have this interesting dynamic in this movie, uh, in which Ford really made John Wayne, starring him in uh, Stagecoach from 1939, which made Wayne's career. Uh, but then in his later parts of his career. The only reason his movies got made at all is because John Wayne was attached to them. So there's an element of the the uh, this, the student becoming the teacher in later on, and there's no doubt that a movie like this one, which is which is negative or at least not doesn't isn't upbeat to be sure, uh, probably doesn't get made without uh, Wayne or Jimmy Stewart uh, attached to it. The probably both, <laughs> right? Probably both, absolutely. Uh, 
like I said, in 1962, tells the story of a place in an unknown territory called, unnamed territory anyway, uh, called Shinbone, which is visited by uh, Ransom Stoddard. Senator Stoddard comes back to Shinbone from Washington as an old man, and uh, he and his wife are there to visit the burial of a mystery man named Tom Donovan, and the local paper gets involved, says, why are you here? Who is Tom Donovan? Uh, What are you doing here? Um, and then he tells the story. Donovan, played by Wayne. Yet another, yet another frame story. Yes, yes. You'll notice that a lot of this is right. Yes, but yeah, the whole most of the movie is a flashback. Um, I, we've mentioned two names: Ransom Stoddard and Do- Tom Donovan, and neither of them are Liberty Valance, who was the outlaw bully back in the day, thirty or forty or fifty. It's hard to tell exactly how long ago um, it. It was, these, we don't know when the senators talk. It's hard, to, right? And we don't know how long ago. The both Wayne and and Stewart were little were long in the tooth, uh, and it was part of the reason why they shot the movie in black and white when they could have shot it in color. Uh, the old age makeup would have looked silly. You would have noticed how old both of them are when they're supposed to be young men. So it's hard to tell. But you would think if it was only twenty years ago, someone at the newspaper would have heard about it. Uh, so the, 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 the complete ignorance of the townsfolk, uh, to Tom Donovan suggests to me that it's been a long time, a generation or two. Anyway, uh, the, the three main characters, uh, Ransom Stoddard, Tom Donovan, and Liberty Valance, who is a hired gun for the cattle ranchers who are trying to keep the territory a territory and not have it be a state. And uh, Ransom has come from... For what reason, by the way? I think there's more money. The the suggestion is money. I don't know. Right, but why? I mean, and I guess it's good they don't go into that. But it's like, yeah, for some reason they want it not to be a state. And obviously it's about money, but why that benefits them, I don't know. Because there's fewer laws, I guess. It's more they can just make money hand over fist. And the money poured into the area doesn't go to schools or roads or trains. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, But yes, there's... uh, Ransom has come from out east. He's a lawyer. He wants to infuse law and order with his law books. And Donovan thinks this is a laughable idea and literally does laugh in his face about it. Uh, and says, Pilgrim, yeah. we're going to have to defend that sign with a gun. Uh, which is a. Well, he, laughs, he laughs at him after Liberty Valance already laughed and beat him up. Right. And Valance, of course, is just this brutal, played by Lee Marvin in a wonderfully physical performance. Uh, this brutal bully, um, a, a Buford Tanner, who uh, <laughs> who just wants to, he's getting paid by the, the ranchers to intimidate all the, the good folk of Shinbone, which is in a western town that in almost no other western I've ever seen has no prostitutes, which is interesting. Uh, well, I'm just, I'm, no, even from the 40s and 30s, I mean, there were just always prostitutes, and there's not in this one. It's very unusual. Uh, there are secondary characters and I'm going to call her a secondary character but she's really almost a central character she's what's being fought over in a certain sense the soul of the movie Hallie played by Vera Miles uh, is Tom's girlfriend but she starts to fall for the genteel intelligent uh, Stoddard and um, what she really wants I don't know if that's what she wants but uh, she's very impressed with his high minded ideals uh, but at a certain, at a basic level, also she's attracted to Tom's man of action, and uh, as the story progresses, and Ransom and 
Valance become on a collision course for each other. She gets to see, or she believes she sees, that molding of the two, the, the man of action with uh, the intelligent idealist. And so she ultimately, uh, well, we'll talk about the ending later, but makes, makes a decision based on that. But uh, the, that's the central plot. There's a little bit about statehood. There's a scene in the end that goes on a little bit too long at the state convention, although it's a, a very nice scene. Uh, with the the trick pony and the um, what a yeah. what a show the ranchers have made. Uh, yeah, I mean of the dem- you said that these, you said that quote from saying that westerns are political. I wouldn't have agreed with that. Except watching this, there's a lot of politics. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I think it was kind of interesting the showing the statehood politics and yeah, I mean, politics of the 1880s, which clearly was all about show and right. getting elected because. You're famous for who cares what reason. Right. Uh, and there's a little bit of that. Have you seen Unforgiven? I've actually not seen Unforgiven. Well, there is a little bit of that pulp, you know, novel, people getting known for um, the people they've killed, the, you know, the, the horse thieves yeah. that they've dispatched. And that is, well, this isn't quite the end of the movie, but uh, at some point, very much in a Back to the Future 3 type way, uh Liberty Valance calls out Stoddard and says, "Meet me, in, you know, meet me out in the in the alley or out in the street at 9 p.m. Bring your gun." Uh, and they have a shootout. And Stoddard, who doesn't have any sort of shooting ability at all, pulls it off and appears to have shot. Why are we? Why are you skipping this? All? Why are you? You literally skipped the whole movie and gone to the end already. What, what are you doing? What am I? What have I skipped? All right, you talk. <laughs> Uh, which, by the way, yes, Back to the Future Part 3 is probably my main basis for what's in <laughs> Westerns anyway. Because, yes, I looked at Lee Marvin and I was like, yeah, he definitely looks like he could have been Back to the Future 3. Sure. What uh, I- and he's amazing. And I think yeah. both John Wayne, the pride of Iowa, uh-huh. and Jimmy Stewart are great. Uh, and, I, and so I was going to ask you about that. I did feel it was black and, because, again, it's in the 60s, so obviously it didn't even be black and white. But because it's in black and white, you don't realize how old they are because it's... Yeah. It was more near the end of their careers, isn't it? it both of them, yeah. Uh, John yeah. Wayne had John Wayne was at the height of his his economic, you know, his his clout as okay. a star, which would not happen these days. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, this was the tail end of it. And there's not a lot of yeah, beautiful, so which is another unusual thing for Ford, who was known for his beautiful vistas. There's not a lot of that. A lot of there's a lot of dialogue saying, "What a nice town you have here," but then we don't ever see it. It's just them saying that kind of thing. But yeah, the yeah, black you see like it's, a few streets. It's very stark. It's very uh, closed in. There's a lot of uh, newspaper rooms, uh, kitchens. You know, those are the those are the things you see. Uh, there's not a, a lot. You're of saying that's not what John Ford usually does. Not what he's known for. It's almost as if the expanse of the Old West is being bottled up. Uh, you know, in the frame because you don't really get to see any of it at all you, you spend a lot of time indoors which is unbelievable uh when you're thinking of a western yeah uh and yeah i i it was just because i've you know i haven't actually seen a john wayne movie but hearing him call him pilgrim all the time it's it kept making me laugh well that's the only movie like, he ever did it in by the way right and it's it's pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> and it uh, and it's reflective it's, of stoddard in a certain sense, I mean, he comes from out of town, but that's it. Right, he's a pilgrim, and then, and then Liberty Valance calls him dude the whole time. Yeah, I do like that, but that would have been in the nomenclature. Well, yeah, right. And I, I mean, I would assume pilgrim, at least some people called people pilgrim. I would, sure. Uh, 
Yeah, and it's a there. You know what I really the these sort of anti westerns from the sixties. I think they do have something to do with the fact that the studio system was falling apart as well, and sort of mirroring the 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 civilization the civilizing of the um, of the old west. Uh, I was well, the reason I bring this up is because this movie, which is which was made right as the uh, the studio system was collapsing. What I mean by that is that Paramount or MGM would have a whole team of people under contract. Uh, and so if you were going, you could write a script with certain people involved, not just the two stars or how many number of stars, but down to the tiny, you know, the smallest detail. And then you'd have the director attached and the, you know, you just, you'd, you'd have the script and you'd make it tomorrow. Uh, as it's sort of like free agency in uh, in baseball or any other sport, it just sort of made keeping teams together a lot more difficult. Uh, but I, I bring that up to mention how wonderful the supporting performances are here from the from the drunken, fearful Marshall, who's got that wonderful Western uh, voice, you know, yeah, that creaky voice to the drunken doctor who's also the coroner who's happy to, drunken, to be both to the drunken uh, uh, press guy the drunken uh, uh, newspaper man. man most of these people were ford regulars uh except okay. for the news guy who probably would have been played by thomas mitchell had he not died two or three years before them but um he does, makes a very good performance although it's very silly not to give away any spoilers but uh, he gets beaten to death, or what appears to be death. Yeah. Emotionally, the script is written as if he is going to die, and then he suddenly doesn't. Yeah. Uh, although he's good in that last scene too, but that's not here nor there. Actually, as it as it is, Liberty Valance doesn't kill anyone on screen. Uh, he's got a very good ability to beat people within an inch of their lives, but not the whole inch, because he does yeah. that to he does that to well, Stoddard, and he does that to what? Peabody, the newspaper man. I think that he, I think that, it, I think he's not good at it. His one, his lackey number one, I think has a very acute sense of when a guy's about to die to grab his arm and stop him beating him with the whip because he did that both times, right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, like the, the other the, guys the, pulled him the, off him. The sane one, the one who's just, or the, the goofy giggling one, which, which the taller are you one, talking the, about? The taller one. The taller who's one. Played, the one that's not, yeah. He's played by yeah. Lee Van Cleef, who has a wonderful Western face, yeah. and the giggling, insane one, which is also now kind of a trope uh, of the sadistic heavy who wants to see everyone bloodied. Uh, wonderfully played by Struther Martin, who went on to be, who was played that kind of character over and over and over again, and is the one who said, "What we have here." He was the warden in Cool Hand Luke, which, anyway, that's not here or there. But uh, <laughs> my point is, from top to bottom, they were really good. That's what was so nice about contract players. You did get to consolidate a lot of talent. Uh, I'm not saying it's not better this way, but there, this that was the benefit of the um, of the studio system, and it was dying at this time. And a lot of those, a lot of those westerns seemed to reflect it, or at least were influenced by the fact that the times were changing. I guess. Uh, okay, so yeah, so let's get to the ending. Okay, the showdown. Okay, if you've not watched well, but, it, you can hit pause now, go watch it, and come back if you don't know what happens. But here we go. I, so you got the showdown. I say that the uh, showdown is not the ending. Because no, the, the title is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. It's not like it's a f- spoiler that Liberty Valance gets shot. I know. Right. Anyway, so Liberty sh- shoots. Again, clearly has good aim as he can mm-hmm. shoot Jimmy Stewart in any place he wants to. Uh, including the arm, which... 
that he's okay about i mean where did he shoot him in the arm by the, or the hand that he somehow drops the gun but is able to use that arm for the rest of his life i think he i don't know ben it's a yeah. it's a movie injury anyway then we're supposed to think that rance has somehow shot him with his left hand right. uh saved the day i really love the coroner right he's like whiskey quick right and then he looks at it and he's like dead it's a you <laughs> think then, he's getting the whiskey to help balance right, to help liberty right or like you know do something but he's like dead which of course makes sense why the coroner wouldn't notice that he was clearly shot with a different gun and as you mm-hmm. alluded to we find out that it was john wayne the whole time right. who shot him uh instead saved jimmy stewart's life which then in the end leads to Haley falling for him and picking him instead of john wayne yeah. Who then gets drunk, burns his own cabin. The cabin he's been building, uh, or building an addition for her, to with her. Needs right. Pompey to save him. I like, uh, if, in a, if we had more time, we'd spend some, we should have mentioned Pompey earlier. He's a good character, too. But. Well, yeah, and you see, I mean, there's, you know, he's the only black character, and, uh, yeah, John Wayne speaks, you know, he's like, you hear, you know, he can drink here, and yeah, you know, treats him like any other white man, which is. You're unlike anyone else. So you know that John Wayne's a good dude. Well, he also calls him his boy, though. Well, I guess that's true. There, yeah, but Ford is making it clear that there is, you know, that the Donovan is a, you know, not, if not forward thinking, because I wouldn't call him progressive, but at least recognizes yeah. that his way is dying. Because he, yeah. he wants things, in his heart, he sort of wants things to go on the way that they have, the law of the gun. Uh, but he is politically aligned with Stoddard and the statehood people because he recognizes that that's, it's going to happen with him on board or not. Uh, in that sense, he's sort of the extension of the, the racist uh, backwards character he played in The Searchers, Ethan Edwards, uh, except he has the self-awareness to recognize that that is a dying, that's a losing proposition. Again, I don't think he's bitter against Stoddard, except he's bitter for stealing, quote-unquote, stealing Haley. Uh, it's a, there, there's a lot of... John Ford is... Right, and you could, also, you could argue, yeah, stealing. Uh-huh. I mean, because he even says something, oh, I'm building this house when we get married, and he's like, you're pretty sure about that. He's like, everyone is but you, or something like right. that. Uh, and he's just like, oh, it's going to happen. Like, she doesn't get a choice. So yeah, there's certainly some part of him that's not... <laughs> that's uh, right. Noble, but... And I think that's what actually I really liked about it, as opposed to him just being, you know, the noble uh, Han Solo guy, you know, the the rogue with the heart of gold mm-hmm. that comes through in the end. Like, yeah, he does. I mean, in the end, he does the right thing, but he pays the price for it. He's upset. I mean, he get yeah. he doesn't. He's not sure he did the right thing. He gets drunk. I mean, it ruins you know, his life, the, really, because then he's it, completely unforgotten in his own town. Or is forgotten. Whereas, yeah, exactly. His life goes nowhere. He's forgotten in his own right. town. He's, no one's there at his funeral who loves him. He's done this and selfless Jimmy thing. Stewart has gone on to rule the world, basically. Right. Who had a drop of a hat. But then you get the impression, where the movie's so ambiguous and, and really pessimistic, is as they're leaving town at the very end of the movie, you, you get the this feeling... Old, old Jimmy and old right. Haley. And we don't have a scene in which she finds out the truth, but you do get the sense that from the way that she puts the cactus rose on his, on his uh, coffin, you know, the way that she talks about him, that she's still in love she with him. At least still love him. The fact that yeah. he, he, he would do what she did, what he did for her, which is all he, he does it for, uh, right. you know, 
retains some of her love and that he has to have this shame. Because I, I don't think anyone can necessarily argue that the world or the state or the territory is better off because uh, Rance Stoddard became the man who shot Liberty Valance. Uh, that was obvious in terms of progress. That was the better outcome for the area. Uh, but yes. he has to live with the fact that that's based on a lie. Um, that that right. everything then, he has, he owns to something that he didn't do. Right, and the movie kind of, it seems like it's going to end on a little bit of a happy note of you know him in the train mm-hmm. and them kind of being like, well, you know, yeah, she talks about the cactus and it's like, oh, that, you know, he was, basically it's kind of like them both agreeing, yeah, he was a great man. Right. And let's, you know, move, he's like, let's move back. Let's leave Washington, you know. Yeah. Uh, after I get done with this important bill, you know, so you're like, oh, okay, kind of nice. And then it ends with the, you know, the, the bellhop or whatever saying, you know, anything for the man who shot Liberty Valance, which is great because, you know, the title of the movie is the last line of the movie. Right. But him saying that brings them both back to, oh, right, all the stuff is based on the lie of this guy who just died unremembered mm-hmm. and that you used to love and I stole from you. Like, right? And it just kind of brings it all back. And then we're like, the end. <laughs> and he can't even confess. He can't even give credit. Because, of course, he's, tell, he's told the newspaper man this whole story, including who yeah. really shot Liberty Valance. And that gives to the immortal line, the great line, this is the West, sir. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. They won't even print right. the story. Right, and he told them, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of um, uh, guilt. Um, you know, there's a, it's, it made me think, because I just had a discussion with this about... Uh, and this is not quite the same at all. Uh, but it made me think of Lance Armstrong in a certain sense. Uh, bear with me for a second. Okay. Uh, in terms of cancer research, in terms of all that kind of thing, can we really oh, okay. argue the that the world is better, is the world is worse for having Lance Armstrong in it? You know, for all the things that that has. And then, it, uh, but, of course, the only reason he was able to do any of that is based off of dishonesty and cheating. Uh, of course, he didn't. It's different because Jimmy Stewart or Rance Stoddard doesn't realize that he's doing. You know, uh, wasn't wasn't his intention. He didn't. Right. And try he doesn't to realize until it's too late, really, and then he can't. Then really... he can't go well, but it does clear his conscience to run for the delegate delegation. Uh, he is. He feels terrible because he's come to the West to bring law and order by the book, and now he's being no, he's been known and. Uh, recognized for doing the same sort of thing that Liberty Valance does, law by, right. the, by force. And so, uh, again, it, I just, the Lance Armstrong thing is a little different, but again, it's better, uh, everyone's happier or in better shape because Rance Ascent is the man who shot Liberty Valance, right. uh, but it does complicate things a great deal. Furthermore, uh, you know, I like when she says, Look at this used to be wilderness and now it's a garden. Aren't you aren't you proud on the train as they're leaving? And he yeah. do, he doesn't look proud at all. Uh no. you know, he's disgusted in the, with himself the way that he's done um this. Even though he's essentially a good man. It's a uh, it's a very uh downbeat uh complicated uh ending. Yeah, which I think is what makes the movie memorable. Right. Sure. Uh, so, so you mentioned this was again a, a great John Ford movie, maybe not a typical John Ford movie, 
Uh, but so if someone liked this uh, and want to see more, give us your top five, John Ford. Uh, and I did. I wanted to mention this. Yeah, I would say again, John Ford is. I've, I think I mentioned this with uh, Herzog is a as a director that I think people our age I, I didn't know who he was. Do not know who he is. Mm-hmm. But you know, he won four best directors. Yeah. Uh, and to movie people, it's obviously a legend. Uh, and so it's kind of strange that he's not as remembered in, say, pop culture as maybe he should be. Uh, and maybe that's because uh, Westerns aren't what they used to be. Yeah. And again, uh, right. The things so that give he's me your, known for. Give me your top five John, your top five okay. John Ford movies. Will do. Uh, number five is Judge Priest. Another set, not quite a Western, but certainly set in that time period in that area. Uh, number four is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Uh, number three is The Grapes of Wrath, which was for years and years considered the best American movie of all time. I mean, for decades, until uh, Citizen Kane kind of unseated it. And it has sort of fallen beside. I, he, maybe he's, culturally, he's just down right now. Fifteen years from now, he may yeah, rise back up back the way Hitchcock has. But, uh, you know, he's down at the moment. Number f- Number two is The Searchers. Most people consider that his best movie. That's the one that people put forward when they put his name on lists. It's for The Searchers. But my favorite and number one is My Darling Clementine, uh, a wonderful Western starring Peter Fonda, which was he and with Fonda and, and Wayne were really his two avatars on the screen. And it kind of makes sense because he was sort of this paradoxical mixture of the wilderness and the garden represented by uh, Stuart and... Um, Wayne in this movie, but by other elements in other in other movies. So uh, those that's my top five. All right. Well, if you enjoyed uh, seeing John Wayne shoot Liberty Valance uh, or <laughs> anything else about the movie or didn't like it, please let us know. Email us at watchingtherightmovies at gmail dot com. Uh, please check us out on iTunes and Stitcher and at Nick's website nickrinkowski dot com, where he also has uh, reviews of. Uh, movies uh both come out recently and uh been out for a while is uh man who shot liberty bounds on there nick it is but it was during when i first started the site so it's not as long it's only a couple paragraphs okay and it is by the way the man who shot liberty balance is on netflix streaming so you can check it out there yes uh, and we will see you next week That's it man game over man game over i do wish we could chat longer but Having an old friend.